ang Philippines ang pinaka-congested na prison system sa buong mundo. Um, ang congestion rate natin on average is 530%. Okay? Ibig sabihin, sa isang selda na decide for one person, five persons ang nandun. Karamihan sa mga policymakers natin, they have never set foot inside a prison or a jail. Sabi nga ng ating butihing soldier is, mas maganda pa nga raw ang kalagayan sa mga kulungan kaysa sa laya. Well, I do believe the soldier never set foot inside the prison facility. Dahil kung nakapasok siya, hindi niya sasabihin iyon. Nelson Mandela once said, No one truly knows a nation until one has been inside its jails. A nation should not be judged by how it treats its highest citizens, but its lowest ones. As we record this podcast, nearly 3 million people around the world have been infected by COVID-19, claiming over 200,000 lives. Here in the Philippines, as in many other countries, this invisible enemy has also penetrated penitentiary walls. Three jails and two prisons have officially reported cases of COVID-19 infections among its employees and its inmates. I'm Ted De, former Supreme Court spokesperson and now back teaching law at the University of the Philippines, the Ateneo de Manila, and the De La Salle University. And you're listening to Te Talks, where we talk about all things law and government. Our episode, Locked Up During Lockdown. We called up Professor Raymond Narag from his home in Illinois, United States. Ako si Raymond Narag. Ako po ay um, associate professor dito sa Southern Illinois University. Ako po ay nagtuturo ng criminology and criminal justice. Raymond was a student at the UP Diliman expecting to graduate with honors in 1995 when he was charged with murder, two counts of frustrated murder, and three counts of attempted murder for a fraternity brawl that led to the death of a member of a rival fraternity. He would spend six years, nine months, and four days in the Quezon City Jail before his acquittal of all the charges in 2002. After his acquittal, he went back to school to get his degree, graduating cum laude from the University of the Philippines. He would later complete a PhD in criminal justice from the Michigan State University. Because of his experience of being an accused and being part of the legal and judicial and penal system, he has written extensively on prison reform and pretrial detention, which continue to be his personal advocacies. Okay, so simulan natin sa personal experience mo, Mon. Would you know kung ilan kayo sa loob ng kulungan at that time? Oh, uh, nung bagong commit ako, 700 ang detainees doon sa Quezon City Jail, 1995. Ang ideal capacity niya is 284. And this was spread over how many cells? Balik, limang brigada yon. Nung pagdating ko sa jail, yung tulugan namin, siksikan kami. Na isang side lang kami, tapos kung mag-side view ka, dapat sabay-sabay kayo kasi hindi na kayo magkasya. Sa mga jail na maluwag, mas maganda ang sitwasyon ninyo. Sa jail na siksikan, mas grabe kasi mayroong mga inmates na natutulog sa ilalim ng, ng bed mismo, ganyan. Saan sa mga stairs na sila natutulog, minsan sa loob pa nga ng CR doon na natutulog dahil yun na lang yung bakanteng lugar. 
So, napakahirap noon kasi paano kung mayroong magigib ng tubig tapos natutulog ka tapos natanglamsikan ang ulo mo, ang hirap noon kasi mag-aaway na kayo at yun lang ang dahilan ng pag-aaway ninyo. Hindi mo totally ma-isolate ang jail sa outside community. And kung ang community mo ay infected na, chances are magkaroon ng exposure sa loob ng kulungan. Kahit napakagandang, napakalinis, napaka state-of-the-art facilities. Ang kulungan talaga is a petri dish eh, uh, for COVID infections. Despite the preparations, despite the capacity ng mga modern facilities na ito, ang kanilang option pa rin is magpalaya ng mga detenido. Okay? Magpalaya ng mga uh, prisoners nila. Para mabawasan ang current population and at the same time, mabigyan sila ng pagkakataon ng ma-observe ang social distancing. Can you give us a snapshot of practices that prisons are doing during this pandemic? May mga jurisdiction na mass release. Okay, tulad ng Iran ngayon. Okay, yung 85,000 detainees and prisoners nila, mass release. Okay, laya muna kayo. Pag wala ng COVID, babalik kayo rito ng pusa. Ibang jurisdictions naman, ang tawag dito ay selective release lang ang pwedeng nilang ibigay. Kung kaya pinipili nila yung mga vulnerable na mga detenido okay, and prisoners or yung mga low-risk uh, detainees and prisoners. Pag sinabi mong vulnerable, yan yung mga matanda, yung mga, mga may sakit, yung may mga kapansanan. And kung mag, uh, mayroong mentally ill conditions sila or may HIV conditions sila. So yan yung mga unang palayain mo kasi vulnerable ang mga yan. Pero kakunti pa rin lang ang pwede mong lumaya sa ganyang proseso. So pwede mong i-expand pa ng konti sa magitan ng pagpapalaya ng tinatawag nating low-risk offenders. That could be predicted by your current offense, kung ikaw ay violent offense or not. Kung ikaw ay uh, may history of criminal involvement, kung pabalik-balik ka na sa kulungan. Kung may history ka ng pagja-jump bail, kung may hearing ka dati tapos hindi ka nagpakita. At kung ikaw ay nagparol dati at nagprobasyon at ito ay hindi mo natapos at ikaw ay nakulong. Okay? And ito ay pwedeng sagutin lang eh ng yes or no. Where yes is one and no is zero. And magiging additive siya such that the higher the score, the higher is the risk. The lower is the score, the lower is the risk. Pag zero ang score mo, zero risk ka. Ang kailangan dyan is matino dapat ang iyong records. And in fact, Ted, um, two years na in, in the making, Uh, tinetrain ko ang Manila City Jail. Uh, shout out ko dyan si uh, Warden uh, Randall Latos, ang pinakamagaling na BGMP Warden sa buong Pilipinas. Okay? Uh, we've been pilot testing yung dinevelop kong risk, needs, and responsibility uh, assessment para malaman mo kung ano ang risk level ng mga inyo. Okay? And um, nakita namin na ang dami pa ng mga low risk na inmates sa Manila City Jail. Sino yung papalayamon? Is it the Bureau of Jail Management itself or the Supreme Court? Who ultimately decides this issue in other countries? Halimbawa sa Indonesia, ang nagpalaya is yung Bureau of Prisons nila mismo. Halimbawa kung sa Pilipinas, yung warden at saka yung superintendent, sila mismo mag-identify ng law risk inmates ito at sila na mismo on their own authority palayain. Ngayon, mayroon namang mga jurisdictions na ang nagpapalaya is yung judiciary. Okay? Uh, for example, sa India, ang ginawa ng Indian Supreme Court, uh, nagkaroon sila ng high-level uh, committee na dinevelop sa bawat state. And yung high-level committee nito, sila ang nagdetermine kung sino mga papalayain. 
As you know, back home, there have been many requests to release inmates as a response to the health crisis. A petition is currently pending with the Supreme Court, which has directed all concerned agencies to take action. So, the Office of the Court Administrator has directed trial courts nationwide to conduct an immediate inventory of their cases to see if there are vulnerable inmates or those who are already entitled to be released. The DOJ has approved the recommendation of the Bureau of Pardons and Parole to come up with interim rules on parole and executive clemency, which relaxes the parole process and executive clemency to decongest prisons. However, the interim rules excluded from these simplified parole procedures those who are convicted of heinous crimes, those involved in illegal drugs and classified as high-risk inmates by the Bureau of Corrections. So the idea of releasing persons deprived of liberty is still really up in the air for now. And politicians and human rights advocates have been weighing in for many weeks. But Mon, what would be your recommendations to policymakers? Um, number one is yung Supreme Court decision. Kasi yun mm. na yung na-file ngayon, iniintay natin na palayain yung mga old, sickly, vulnerable, low-risk offenders. Kung sinabi yan ng Supreme Court, okay, pwede. Tapos instructionan nila ang DGMP, identify low-risk, and massive yung pagbibigay nila ng lease at i-agragrant ng mga lower courts in whatever form of release, either by bail or by recognizance or humanitarian, no money involved, release. Okay? So that's number one. Uh, number two, yung DOJ. Tama na nagkaroon sila ng uh, bagong uh, resolution na minamadali nila yung proseso. Pero Ted, 200 a week lang ang kaya nilang gawin. Sa loob ng isang buwan, 800 lang yan. Invest na 65 years old, babaan nila yung edad. 55 years old. Kasi 55 vulnerable yan eh, sa COVID. And then, dapat tanggalin ng DOJ yung restriction ng mga drug cases. Bakit bawal ang drug case? Paano kung nagbagong buhay naman nasa loob? And third, yung rule ng uh, no pending case at saka yung uh, rule ng on appeal case, dapat tanggalin na muna yan ngayon eh. Kasi alam natin na ang korte, hindi yan makakapunta ngayon sa boards of pardons and parole para makapag-certify. Kasi naka-quarantine nga sila, hindi sila makapasok sa opisina eh. So practically, Ted, two weeks nang nilabas ng DOJ ang resolusyon na yan. Ilan na ang lumalaya based on that resolution? Zero. Wala pa. Okay, there's another thing that bothers me. Assuming that the green light is given at mas marami ng vulnerable at low-risk inmates ang pwedeng pakawalan, ano ngayon ang sa tingin mo dapat gawin ng Bureau of Jail Management and Penology, BJMP, and the Bureau of Corrections? These are two different agencies. So ang Bureau of Jail Management and Penology, sila yung mahawak ng mga pre-trial detainees. Yung mga undergoing trial, undergoing yung promulgation nila, or yung mga detainees din na nasentensya ng three years and below. Kapag na-convict, dapat ilipat mo yan sa Bucor Prisons. So, ang prisons ng Bucor, composed of seven yan nationwide, okay? uh, ang tawag din sa nila, uh, penitentiaries or penal farms. So, mayroon tayong New Believed Prison, which is a penitentiary. Uh, mayroon tayong Dapicol, which is Davao Penal Colony. Okay? Tapos mayroon tayong Iwahig uh, Prisons and Penal Farms. So, iba't iba yung uh, terminoloya na ginagamit sa mga pangalan nila. Pero yan ay para sa mga convicted ng three years and above. Yung BGMP and BUOR, they should be very proactive. 
Okay? Hindi dapat nila hinihintay pa lang yung, DO, yung Supreme Court at saka DOJ na gumawa ng mga resolusyon. Ang mga wardens ngayon pa lang, inihanda na dapat nila yung listahan nila. Okay? And in fact, the wardens on their own authorities can grant the release of these individuals. Why? Kasi mayroon pa naman GCTA eh. You mean yung good conduct time allowance law where prisoners can be released based on merit, good behavior habang nasa loob ng kulungan? Law yung GCTA, di ba? So pwede pa rin naman nilang i-award yung GCTA. And at the same time, alimbawa, may mga inmates na nasentensya ng 3 years. Sa BGMP kasi yan eh. Kapag nakaserve na sila ng 2 years and 6 months, discretionary release na yan ng warden. Sa Pilipinas ay mayroon talagang matinding oposisyon sa paglaya ng mga detenido. Naranasan natin yan nung sa GCTA mess, nung naging GCTA for sale, and hindi natin sila masisisi na mayroong ganitong mga concern. Kung kaya kapag ako'y nanawagan na palayain itong mga inmates, sa mga Facebook page comments, ang sabi nila, hindi ikaw nalang pumunta sa loob. Okay? Pero hindi nila naiisip na mga itaw, mga taong ito, one way or the other, lalaya rin yan eh. And kung wala tayong compassion sa kanila, kung hindi natin mapakita yung kalinga ng lipunan sa kanila sa ngayon, hindi natin mapapakita yung pagbabago na hinihingi natin sa kanila. Mon, I can only imagine what it must be like inside the prison right now. Siguro din na rin mapakali ang ilan dahil nga unti-unting kumakalat among themselves ang coronavirus. Ano ang worst case scenario dito? Sa Cebu City Jail ngayon, almost 200 inmates na ang na-infect ng uh, COVID. Ang Cebu City Jail, ang pinaka-crowded na jail na nakita ko na. Okay? Sinabi ko sa iyo kanina, crowded ang Quezon City Jail, di ba? Pero nung pumunta ko ng Cebu City Jail, na-shock pa ako. That is built for 900 inmates. Now, 6,600 sila doon. And ang fear ko is more than half ang ma-infect dyan. So, from 6,600, 3,300 ang ma-infect. E kung mayroon tayong 10% na fatality rate, so kung 3,600, 360 ang mawamatay, ang i-expect natin mawamatay kapag hindi natin na-solve ang problema dyan sa Cebu City. And of course, ang mga inmates dyan, restless ka yan, magra-riot na sila, mag-noise-brat sa sila, eventually palalayain mo yan ngayon. E pag pinalaya mo mo yan ngayon, at their current state na hindi mo sila natitest at hindi mo sila natitreat, they will pose a humongous threat naman sa community nila. Before we end this conversation, I just have a couple of questions left on hospitals and medical facilities within the jail system. Because I remember many years back when I was still doing death penalty work at the New Belibid Prisons, We had a few death row inmates who would go to the hospital and one of the Jesuit priests who would visit would describe the hospital in the song of Nat King Cole, yung Mona Lisa. They just lie there and they die there because of the very poor facilities. And now we are up against a virus. How can the hospitals and medical facilities cope with this situation? Mayroon tayong tinatawag na NBP Hospital, okay? And uh, it's a separate brigada. Uh, Doon inilalagay lahat ng mga inmates na may sakit, okay? And in fact, um, dun yung mga may tuberculosis, yung mga may asthma, at mayroon mga physical ailments. And may natanggap ako ng mga balita sa mga friends ko sa Bucor na tatlo hanggang apat ang inmates na mamatay ngayon araw-araw sa medium and minimum security compound. 
ang ginagawa nila, kinikremate nila agad. So, wala na tayong testing dun sa mga bangkay na mga uh, detinido na ito. Very limited capacity ang NBP Hospital. Ewan ko kung mayroon na silang respirator para dyan, uh, kung sakaling magkasakit. Kung kaya, ang ginawa nila is in cooperation with ICRC, uh, nag-identify sila ng site sa medium security compound Okay? At doon nila ililipat lahat ng mga may sakit sa um, CIW at saka sa New Believed Prisons. In fact, yung mga nagkasakit sa CIW, inilipat doon. And um, isang inmate na ang namatay sa medium security compound. So we started this podcast talking about your personal experience inside prison. And then we talked about your research on how prisons around the world are handling this health crisis. And then you gave us your recommendations based on your ongoing research of the Philippine jail system. Let's end with your three takeaways from your time in prison. Yung una-una is, of course, yung physical um, uh, challenges habang nasa loob ka. Yung siksikan, napakadami ninyo. And magugulat ka nga eh, bakit na, kahit na napakasiksikan sa loob ng kulungan, eh hindi gaanong magulo sa kulungan sa Pilipinas. Kasi... Uh, generally, may um, katahimikan sa loob ng kulungan. It is because yung mga inmate mismo ay nakakasama sa pagmamanage ng kulungan. So yun yung number one na narealize ko. Pero ang number two na mas matindi is yung bagal ng takbo ng kaso. Okay? Uh, ang Philippines ang pinakamabagal ang takbo ng kaso sa buong mundo. Um, sa pag-aaral na ginawa ko, on average, uh, tumatagal ng 341 days. Pag ititigan mo na yung extreme, mayroong mga 20 years na kakulong, 18 years, 15 years. And then lately, um, ako ay nakipag-usap sa korte kasi ang realization ko, Ted, is kahit pala napakagaling namin sa PGMP, na-identify na namin yung inmates na nag-overstaying, kapag hindi naman ito mailapit sa korte at yung korte hindi naman umaaksyon, okay? um, wala rin mangyayari. And ang narealize ko sa Pilipinas, very passive ang courts natin. Eh. During this coronavirus pandemic, persons deprived of liberty are perhaps the last to be accounted for. This comes as no surprise after all, they are housed behind the four walls of a penitentiary for the sole purpose of isolating them from the rest of the world as punishment for a criminal act. But not even the best penitentiaries in the world can stop a rapidly spreading disease from infiltrating its guarded walls. And so we go back to Nelson Mandela. In particular, the Nelson Mandela rules adopted by the United Nations General Assembly, which revised the standard minimum rules for the treatment of prisoners. These revised rules were created to honor the legacy of Nelson Mandela, who had spent so many years of his life in prison. Let me read to you some of the rules on prisoners' health care. The state bears responsibility for those it deprives of their liberty. Healthcare must be provided in prison and offered at the same level of care as in the community. The same ethical and professional standards apply to prison healthcare as those outside prison. The protection of staff and other prisoners from infectious diseases, for example, can be achieved by only disclosing the information necessary so the required measures can be taken whilst still upholding medical confidentiality. The competent public health body should regularly inspect and advise the prison director on a variety of issues impacting 
on the health and well-being of prisoners as well as prison staff. There is still a lot to be done about the state of prisons in our country. This will take up a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money. But right now, we are not talking about what is to come. We are talking about what is already happening. This is a conversation that should have happened some time back. And it is a conversation that we need to continue having in the weeks, months, and maybe years to come. Hopefully, it does not remain just a conversation. Again, I'm Ted Te, reminding everyone to keep well during this crisis. You can reach me on our Facebook page, Ted Talks by Ted Te. And you can follow Puma Podcast for updates on our shows. Ted Talks is a Puma Podcast production. This episode was produced by Kat Ventura, with help from Mark Casillian and editing by Nico Bolante. Thank you for listening. Thank you.